Welcome to this edition of Sunshine Boys on SB Nation Radio, powered by Amazon. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Joining me, as always, are the Sunshine Boys from down in Tampa, Florida. That would be Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, joining us from up in Boston. We have Tim Williams and our special guest, the national writer for the Sporting News, Bill Bender. And Bill, of course, covers the NFL as well as college football. So, Bill, we're now in week one of the preseason as we um, take a look at NFL training camps. What are some of the things that have surprised you thus far and, of course, some of the things that have played out pretty much as you expected? Well, I, I mean, it's early as always, and as we get into these preseason games, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, the Colin Kaepernick story has been dominating a lot of headlines, but I think beyond that, I mean, you know, I'm up in Ohio. The Cleveland Browns quarterback situation is fluid as ever, and, uh, you know, that'll start Thursday night. It's been fluid since Bernie Kosar, but um, I think, uh, you know, a couple other interesting storylines out there. Obviously, Ira can probably speak to you know, I watched Hard Knocks last night. That's another – Tampa Bay certainly an interesting team coming into this year because we're, we're kind of waiting on them to take the next step. How about you, Ira? Your name has been evoked. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about Kaepernick for a minute, guys. Um, I'm going to take a little contrarian point of view. First of all, Spike Lee, there's got to be other issues out there for you other than Colin Kaepernick. Got to be. Uh let me say this. Uh, of course, Colin Kaepernick's actions last year uh, are a driving force for him not having a job. Anybody who says uh, anything to the contrary uh, is kidding themselves. Having said that, uh, and I'll address Mr. Henderson to this, um, does, doesn't NFL owner, don't NFL owners have the right to consider – uh, potential impact on their fan bases uh, in terms of bringing in a particular player. Uh, what's wrong with that? It happens all the time. And uh, for this to be a cause celeb, uh, I think this is a runaway train. Um, I don't think he's being blackballed. I think each, each owner's making their own choice, and they don't want to alienate uh, a segment of their fan base, and uh, I think they got that right. So I'm going to put that right out there. Cool. Well, you go right ahead, Ira, and you are totally uh, within your rights to be wrong as you are this time. Um, Colin Kaepernick, people people like to point out that, oh, the 49ers were terrible the last couple of years. They were 3-16 and 16 with when, when he started. Uh, it wasn't a really high uh, percentage passer, but the 49ers were terrible across the board, so you can't lay that record just on him. And I will, I'm going to bring up something in this issue that hasn't gotten any ink, let alone not a, lock, not a lot. And that's the fact that he wasn't the only guy who took a knee. He might have been the ringleader, but he had a lot of support in the NFL. A lot of football players went right along with him. Where is the backlash against them? I'll tell you, there is none. There shouldn't be. So, you know, the owners are, oh, we're going we're gonna to alienate our fan base. You know what's going to alienate your fan base even worse? Is Losing. If you start off 0-5 and you got a lousy quarterback, 
and this guy is sitting out there who can help. I'll tell you what, I think he's better right now, today, than, I don't know, maybe half the starting quarterbacks in this league. Who would you feel more confident with under uh, center if you're the Chicago Bears, Mike Glennon or Colin Kaepernick? Discuss. Come on, Anderson. He's not, he's not better than half the quarterbacks in this league. And Mike what Glennon or Colin Kaepernick? What? You know, Bill, Bill, what is, what is wrong with an all carrying on a potential impact on his fan base? This is a business, uh, besides being a sport. And this guy's not Drew Brees we're talking about. So, Bill, uh, it is what it is. They don't want to admit it, the owners. Uh, you know, you can fault them for that, for camouflaging it with saying, you know, we got to change our offense if we get Kaepernick. Forget that stuff. That's nonsense. The fact is, he created this situation. And there are consequences, and he's got to suffer right now. Yeah, um, it's been, like I said, constantly evolving in the headlines. I Here's how I feel about Colin Kaepernick in general in this whole situation. Yes, I think he should have a job. I don't think he's better than half the starters in the NFL, but I would say five, six, seven teams he could start. I think the Jets, hands down, would be – to me, the Jets is almost the best landing spot because – he was, he's absolutely better than anybody they have. Um, obviously, the taking the knee, the social stance he took last year, yes, it plays a role in it. The only the only thing with that, it took me a while. I mean, at first, I'll be the first to admit, when he kneeled during the anthem, I was really upset about it at first. But then you kind of got the reasons behind it. You kind of understand that. The only move he pulled last year that I thought was way out of line was wearing the, the pig socks. I thought that was just, you know, trolling the word is and you know whether or not he gets a job I think he's good enough to play but I do the one thing it's getting ink but I don't think it can be underestimated is the money I looked at every back quarterback what they're making so Fitzpatrick's making three million I think Matt Schaub somewhere around four a team's just not going to pay more than that for Colin Kaepernick to be a backup so if he's looking for something in the three to five million range teams aren't going to sign him so I think that's part of it, too, that's along with the fans and everything else. And, you know, what? quite honestly, it's created a big mess that, that it's almost a turnoff. And I can see why it would be a turnoff for fans, you know, on both sides, because I think we just need to get them on the field. And, you know, the other situation or, or possible solution is get him on ESPN for an interview. Let him, you know, talk. Let him have that pulpit instead of Twitter. You know, uh, Bill, guys um... – uh, the Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens, have taken a, a long, hard look at him. And uh, I think John Harbaugh, who has spoken to, obviously, his brother Jim, who coached Colin in San Francisco, I, I think that uh, they want, I think Ozzie and uh, Coach Harbaugh would love to have uh, Kaepernick on the squad as a backup to Flacco, because frankly, right now, Joe is a big question mark. Uh, but it goes back to ownership and the ownership of the Ravens right now do not want to take any opportunity or chances, whether it's an excuse or not to, uh, to sign Colin Kaepernick. I don't know, frankly, um, if, um, I think it, there's comes a point in time where Kaepernick's going to say, look, I want to play in the league. And if that means I have to be the backup somewhere and take, you know, a quote unquote cut in salary to do it, then, you know, I'll do it. Well, let, let me let me toss this this in as and it's going to be my final word on the whole character issue. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yes, I did. I did not agree with what he did, um, but I will defend his right to do it. And I will also I understand those who say, look, dude, you're you're working for the NFL and the NFL frowns on that. Totally get it. But if that is the reason you are keeping him out of the league, because it's pretty obvious to me he's been blackballed, then explain to me why my Cincinnati Bengals went out and spent a second-round draft pick on Joe Mixon. Please explain. Why is that acceptable in Colin Kaepernick? It's not. Well, we have three. Go ahead, Tim. You you talk about, or Ira mentioned, alienating part of the fan base by signing Kaepernick, but what about talk that the Ravens owner doesn't want Kaepernick because of these issues, potentially? How is that not alienating the part of the fan base that – agrees with Kaepernick and I would imagine in the Baltimore area that might be quite a few Ravens fans so that that part's a little shocking to me the thing I find very interesting about this is I've been watching a lot of television sports television in the last few days and every time they bring up the Miami Dolphins signing Jay Cutler they tend to gloss over the other issue that kept Colin Kaepernick out of Miami that has nothing to do with what he said and what with his protests last year, it has everything to do with he was at a press conference wearing a shirt with Fidel Castro on it. And that's the kind of thing that will alienate a large part of your fan base if you happen to be the Miami Dolphins. So in that particular case, I find no issue with passing on Kaepernick. But some of the people that have, it really is baffling. And there are definitely quarterbacks that I would prefer Kaepernick to any of some of the guys that have been signed as backups, some of the guys that have been signed as starters. I like Mike Glennon, but is Mike Glennon's track record really better than Colin Kaepernick's? No. You know, one, one other factor, one other potential factor, uh, Jim, is, uh, you know, the, the kneeling at the anthem uh, took place when he was representing a football team, uh, wearing your uniform, NFL insignias everywhere. Uh, I think it would have been a different story, far less of a story, uh, if he had done that in his off time. Uh but on that day, at that moment, uh, he was representing more than Colin Kaepernick, and, and I think that's a factor, too. I, You know, Bill, um, and we're talking, of course, that was Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, Tim Williams, and our guest, Bill Bender from Sporting News. Bill, let's put a bow on this. Um, does Kaepernick get signed and where? I think he will eventually during the season, but it might not be in – until we get into the season, I thought it might have happened with Baltimore with Flacco. I, I, Miami, by the way, I mean, Jay Cutler and Adam Gaze know each other uh, and they've worked together before, so that makes sense. And I think that's something to try to be objective each time that his name comes up. You got to look at the football situation, too. That might sound like, you know, something to get angry about, but he has to fit in a scheme and he doesn't fit in every single scheme. Uh, I think eventually he will, and I think eventually he will stand up for the anthem. But, but, but my biggest—it's not really a complaint. It's it, the whole thing with this whole situation that's now gone over for a year. This was supposed to create 
a positive conversation. I don't think that's happened. I mean, just look at t- your Twitter feed right now. Um, you know, in in a climate where everything's become increasingly device, divisive, whether it's race, politics, sex, whatever, I don't know that this was a productive conversation. And I hope that when he comes back, he does have that interview. He does work to talk with both sides of this issue because otherwise we're just going to be spinning wheels until it happens again. All right, let's take a quick look. Uh, I punched it up here. Uh, the Sporting News Power Ranking, something, Bill, I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, I have a question to the panel, guys. Uh, rated in the number six slot in uh, Sporting News' Power Rankings are the defending NFC champion Atlanta Falcons. Um, when we were talking to Rich McKay a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta, uh, it seemed like everything you know was back on par. Why? Um, why suddenly is the Falcons fallen out of favor um, with the national press um, when there's every reason to believe they're going to be just as good as they were last year? Uh, perhaps also, uh, the loss of Kyle Shanahan, Bill, uh, might be a factor. Uh, he did such a marvelous job with that offense. They had by far the best uh, attack in the NFL last year. Uh, scored 28 points in the Super Bowl. Normally, that should be enough. Um yeah, he made a couple of shaky calls down the stretch, but uh, overall he did a fantastic job uh, with the weapons at his disposal. Uh, their defense is uh, decent, not great. Uh, and I think uh, people like Green Bay and some like Dallas uh, better. Uh, Bill, you don't quite know what effect that Super Bowl loss is going to have. You don't. Uh, it could be right. a tremendous motivator. Uh or, or, or it could be something that's still not over. We don't know that. Yeah, I think hangover. That's the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, you know, Carolina had a Super Bowl hangover last year. So two things. Not only did you – you're going to have to deal with the questions about that Super Bowl hangover. You're opening a new stadium. Well, maybe that stadium will be open. And Seattle, Dallas, Green Bay are the traditional favorites in the conference as it is, and with good reason. But you're also in a division where – I mean, it has the best quarterbacks in the NFL for one division, whether it's Drew Brees or Cam Newton or Jameis Winston. And that's a division that's kind of been a revolving door just because Atlanta won it last year doesn't mean New Orleans can't win it this year. I mean, they have Adrian Peterson. Doesn't mean Tampa Bay can't win it. They were close. They they seem to be on that cusp, like I was saying earlier. And doesn't mean Carolina can't win it. I'm- We're going to step aside, and we shall return soon with more of the Sunshine Boys right here on SB Nation Radio, powered by Amazon. Hey, everyone. Let's talk a little bit about Amazon Prime. Now, if you are a fan of the Sunshine Boys, then you're going to get a free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime. Now, besides the bargains you get on pretty much everything, you could ever possibly want. You get two days free shipping. In some cases, in some areas, you even get one day free shipping. Okay, You also get free access to Amazon Prime Video, the home of great original content like The Man in the High Castle, Transparent, plus some of your favorite binge-watching shows like Orphan Black, 24, or Downton Abbey. You also get access to thousands of very cool albums and CDs on Amazon Music, all for free. That's right. So, no reason. Why you should not take that 30-day trial that we're offering to you right here at the Sunshine Boys. Give Amazon Prime a 30-day free trial on us. 
we guarantee you're going to sign up afterwards. Just click the link in the box below. That's click the link in our description box to get 30 free days of Amazon Prime. Welcome back to the Sunshine Boys. I'm Jim Williams, your host, with Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson, the Sunshine Boys, with our special guest, Bill Bender from Sporting News Radio, and uh, Tim Williams in Boston. Tim, um, prior to the break, um, Bill was talking about the NFC South, and you had your uh, thoughts on it as well. That, you know, the Falcons, I don't like to do the mind reading. I don't like to talk about hangovers. I don't like to talk about things that are intangible because they exist in sports, but for us to try and predict and define them kind of defies the word intangible to me. So I I just look at the Falcons and I look at their schedule and they're going to have a tougher schedule than say the Packers or the Cowboys because they're in a tougher division. I see the, the NFC South is going to be tough. The Panthers aren't going to be as bad as they were last year. The Buccaneers could be making the next step. And that's a tough division to win any games in. The Falcons could be a decent team and not make the playoffs because that division's really tough. So given that and NFL turnover, I don't know if I'd have them higher than six. Well, I, I definitely think there is a lot uh, to the to the whole Super Bowl um, hangover thing. Uh, it's we saw it last year with Carolina. They they came in. They didn't have as much on their plate right now, I think, uh, as the Falcons do in terms of dealing with you know with what happened to them in the Super Bowl. Carolina just got beat. Atlanta had their heart ripped out and stomped on. And you can say all you want. Well, we're putting that behind us. We're we're moving on. We're you know, baloney. You can't just shake that off. And so I'm I'm going to be frankly uh, surprised uh, a little bit if Atlanta winds up uh, as high as they're ranked right now. I know they've they've got the nucleus, um, and uh, they're obviously well coached, but. Um, they're going to have to show me. And and I agree with you, Tim, that the uh, NFC South uh, is just, uh, to me, it's a toss-up because about the only team I don't really think will be a factor in that race is New Orleans. Uh, I've thought that for a while that they're on the downside. I still believe that. Um, and But the Buccaneers, if if the defense can come together as – uh, they believe it will, and and Ira, you're out there every day. You see it. Um, they're going to score points, guys. They're you know unless Jameis Winston gets hurt, you know, God forbid. But you can say that about any team uh, with their starting quarterback. The the Bucks are going to to really be a handful for people. And uh, if I had to pick a winner in that division right now, I would pick the Buccaneers. Ira, what say you? I don't disagree. Um, if the offensive line does a decent job, Joe, they don't have to be great, but they got to give Winston time. They got to open some holes. Um, Cutter's a very imaginative play caller, and he proved that in Atlanta. And his first year in Tampa as coordinator, uh, they set a franchise record, and and that was Winston's rookie year. He took every snap. That's hard to do with a first year quarterback. 
took a little bit of a step back last year, a little bit, because they didn't run the ball well at all. Uh, Doug Martin was awful. Uh, the line did a lousy job. But um, there's every reason to think, Joe, they're going to improve on that 9-7. and seven. Uh, I don't like the Saints either, Joe. You can't try to win 31-27 every week. You can't. Uh, and that's why they're 7-9 and nine the last three years. Three years in a row, 7-9. Right. Uh, still, still got Drew Brees, still got to score a lot of points. But, uh, you know, there's certainly no threat to uh, Tim Williams' uh, New England Patriots, who, by the way, just made uh, their first news, news of training camp. Tim, uh, what what'd they do? Purchase uh, two 767s? What's the matter? Warner wasn't enough? You know, it, it's funny, and someone else mentioned this on Twitter. I wish I could remember the name to give them credit, but all I've heard about this is the Patriots are the first team to own their own plane, and if that's the case, well, then I guess the movie Major League has misled all of us because I always thought the Indians owned that really beaten-up old plane. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back on Joe's point from earlier. I think I'd... I, I don't know if I would pick the Bucks to win the NFC South because I'm a little biased. I like the Bucks, so I want them to win the NFC South, and it's hard to separate that from trying to analyze things, but they're certainly in with a chance, and I think a lot's going to come down to how well O.J. Howard plays as a rookie because if he can be as dynamic as people think he can be and the Bucks run out the two tight end sets that we expect they will, that could be a real dynamic passing offense. And the way Howard supposedly blocks and blocked at Alabama, it can only help the running game to have two tight ends in there too. Oh, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, we've said this before, but it bears repeating just that the Bucks were giddy when uh, Howard fell to them in the draft. They, they, nobody predicted that going into the draft. And, um, you know, that's, they really think that they've got their their tight end for the next uh, eight to ten years, and at this point, it's still potential. We all know what potential is. It's it's means you haven't done it yet, uh, and he's yet to play his first NFL game. Um, and uh, but you got to like what you see from the size, from the athleticism. Uh, the way he came up in big games uh, at Alabama, he, he was he was at his best when the lights were brightest. So, you know, I I know it's August, the first preseason game hasn't been played yet, but uh, w there hasn't been this kind of buzz in in Tampa about the Buccaneers for maybe since the Super Bowl year. Ira, would you would you buy that? I would, and certainly, you know, they got a nine-year playoff drought uh, going. Um, they got to find a way. This this is the year, barring an injury to Jameis Winston. There aren't any excuses. A lot of weapons around here. I got a question for Bill, Jim. Um, yeah. And, Bill, I follow this team very closely for a long time over the years, and I'm down, I'm down on this team right now. I think their window might have passed. I'm talking about uh, Andy Reid's Chiefs. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to look at a Chiefs, Bill. I don't know how you feel, uh, you know, if Donald Penn uh, comes back to the Raiders, which he will. He's a holdout right now. Uh, they look like the team in the AFC West. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the Chiefs have many weapons. Bill, uh, Kelsey's a heck of a tight end, but they got no receivers. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, 
they got an average quarterback, uh, and certainly compared to uh, Carr, he's in the rearview mirror. So, Bill, any reason to think the Raiders won't uh, take over that division? I think it's the Raiders' time. I, I think it's the Raiders' time to not just take a shot at the division, but to maybe take aim at the establishment of Pittsburgh and New England. Whereas, uh, you know, living up here in Ohio, I'm around a lot of Bengals and Browns fans, and they, uh, you know, they're sick of seeing Pittsburgh, New England. And I think it's Oakland's time to take that shot if their car stays healthy. You know, it could be one super year for them. But, but to get back to your question, I'm not dodging your question about the Chiefs I, with them. I just think they were max value. I mean, their max value is what we've seen the last few years. They get to the divisional playoff. They've got a good team, good pass rush. But when your quarterback can only do so much. And Alex Smith, here was the thing. Alex Smith was probably the third best quarterback in the AFC the last few years, which is crazy to think about. But that's why I think it's the Raiders' time. It's Derek Carr. I mean, Andy Dalton was kind of on the fringe of that, but – I think the Bengals are on a downhill slide. We don't know what the Ravens have been doing the last few years. So, yeah, I think Oakland overtakes them in the division. I think Oakland takes a shot at, at maybe getting to the Super Bowl. I would love nothing more than to see New England go out to Oakland for the fi- for the AFC Championship. I think I've, given that they're going to Vegas here soon, I think it would be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, this is going to be a weird season, uh for the Raiders with the whole Vegas thing hanging over them. You, you got to wonder how the fan base out there is going to react because, you know, I'm sure the way the, the thing would be spun is if the Raiders have a great season is that, well, it's a one final gift to, uh, to their fans, but I could see the fans just, just giving them uh, the cold shoulder on this too. Uh, I know that kind of flies in the face of conventional thought, but if if you're sitting there watching this team that you've supported with with all of your heart and money for all of these years and they finally get to the level where you know it's possible they could they could be you know, like you say they could challenge uh, New England and then they're they're going well see you bye we're out of here how are you going to react to that uh, i would react by doing something else on sunday other than, other than uh, watching the Raiders. That, that's just me. To a degree, it reminds me of what happened in the NBA with the Seattle Supersonics moving to Oklahoma City, and they did it right after they had this great team built with Kevin Durant, the beginning of this, what could have been a really great team, and what was a great team in Oklahoma City, but it was great almost immediately and it almost seemed to hurt that much more to Seattle that not only did they lose a team, they lost a really good team. And it might be amplified a bit because the Raiders might make a playoff run. They might make a Super Bowl run, which would be great for Oakland for those Raiders fans waiting for one last hurrah. But it could also make people think, well, in one of their greatest moments, they're going to leave and go to Las Vegas. What does that say about how they feel about their community? And sports fans, well, it is kind of a community-oriented thing. It's part of the name is the Oakland Raiders. They're not just the Raiders who happen to play in Oakland for now. I guess right now they are. Well, well they, yeah, I they, jump, uh, if I could jump in real quick. Yeah, um, go sorry. ahead. <laughs> well, Cle- with Cleveland, you know, growing up in this area, I remember Cleveland, the season that they were moving. I'm glad you guys brought that up because, 
they were a pretty good team that year. And Ira probably remembers this. That was a good team. And then they had the announcement to go to Baltimore and things went downhill. They just weren't focused. The focus wasn't there on the field. And then obviously the rest is history with them moving to Baltimore. I think the difference though is Oakland has this young nucleus of talent and they've moved back and forth from LA to Oakland before. And now Vegas, I mean, you know, maybe Vegas is obviously not California, but it's not too far away. And I think it's an exciting chapter for the NFL, but with, with that front office they have and the players they have, I mean, they've got Carr, they've got Khalil Mack, and, and they've got so many good pieces on that team like Cooper, even Marshawn Lynch on board. I think it's a little bit different than when some of these other teams are, are kind of lame ducks in terms of moving to another city. Let me ask you a quick question. Uh, I'm sorry, I, there was something I just wanted to bring up. Um, I had been around um, the Browns for many years, and um, – uh, I, I honestly think had things played out properly and Bill and I know Joe and Ira, you guys will chime in on this. Had things fallen properly, it's conceivable to me that that Bill Belichick and um, you know Nick Saban might have been in Cleveland winning titles for quite a while. Well, if if it played out that way, um, then the it would be the uh, the Baltimore Buccaneers probably, because as you all remember, the right. yeah. uh, Malcolm Glazier had just purchased the Buccaneers um, from the estate of, of the late owner Hugh Culverhouse, and there is no question about it that he wanted to move to Baltimore. He, he had he had business ties up there it was that that train was rolling down the track and art modell and the browns beat him to it um leading to all the not only all the consternation in cleveland but then what eventually became raymond james stadium in in tampa that that kept the buccaneers from moving so you know you got to factor that into your scenario too jim Mm -hmm. no you do uh and and i think um that I just feel that uh, had there been stability in Cleveland, I think that uh, to Bill's point, what um, what they were building uh, was something they thought was going to be a special team, and in essence, it was. When they moved over to Baltimore, they only, you know, once they got their sea legs after um, Marsha Broda came in and, and coached for one more go around. Um, it, I, I think it was a very interesting. Go ahead, Ira. Yeah. Uh, I got a question, Jim, for our guest. Um, sure. Tell me what you think. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Bucks, uh, young and hungry. Uh, and, and I remember Raheem Morris standing at the podium when he was Buck coach, and uh, he came up with the word youngry. He said the Bucks were youngry. Well, anyway, I think uh, to me, the Buck equivalent on the other conference is uh, Tennessee, Bill. Um, with Mariota, who was taken right after Winston in the 2015 draft. Turns out, you know, there was a big, big controversy here in Tampa. Who should the Bucks take? Of course, Winston had that rape allegation hanging over his head. And I think it's fair to say two years later, bo- both guys are going to be outstanding, both of them. Uh, Bill, uh, do, you, do you see any parallels between the Titans and, uh, and Bucks as, as young teams on the rise? 
Oh, absolutely, because they both got the franchise quarterback, and they can build around that guy. I mean, Marcus Mariota has been pretty, pretty darn good for them the last two years. They're also in a division where there's opportunity. I mean, Jacksonville's not going to compete for a division championship this year. Indianapolis, I mean, with Andrew Locke, there's a team that it's just mind-boggling that they don't give him an offensive line or a running game and, and watch him get beat up the way he does. And then I think Houston, I really like Deshaun Watson, so Houston's going to hang around. But to answer your question, yeah, Tennessee's an up-and-coming team with Mariota. This doesn't surprise me. As you guys know, I cover college football for Sporting News, and um, I was around to Mariota and Winston a lot in advance of that Rose Bowl, and they were getting asked these questions a lot. And I, and I said at the time, and I'm still kind of holding to it, I would rather have Winston than Mariota but it's pretty darn even. I think both of them have played so well. They elevate. They're good leaders. I mean, that's the first thing that stands out with Winston. He's this, you know, kind of outspoken leader, whereas Mariota's a little more reserved, but still a very good leader. And I think Tennessee gets to the playoffs this year. I think this is their opportunity to do that, and, and Tampa Bay as well. Now, do I, I don't think their team is kind of Super Bowl caliber quite yet, but they're getting in that discussion. And, and – it's not rocket science. Once you have that first, when you hit, when you hit on a first round quarterback, franchise quarterback, top five quarterback, you're in business. And both of those teams are in business right now. Bill, I want to build on what you just said about the AFC South that, yeah, the, the Colts are kind of a wayward team. They have the quarterback they want for the long term. Andrew Luck's been nothing short of he's lived up to his billing there. But the rest of the team, it seems like they've just put luck there and just said, well, we judge quarterbacks by their record now, so he should be able to win and lose games by himself, right? And that's a little difficult. The Jaguars are in a make-or-break year for Blake Bortles, but beyond that, it doesn't seem like they're going anywhere for now. They might be building something. They might be building something really good, but we won't really know until at least the end of this season. But the Houston Texans really have my attention. I think if their quarterbacking situation works out well, if Deshaun Watson comes in and is fantastic, or if Tom Savage stays in and really just proves himself a decent game manager, the Houston Texans defense is scary. And they're going to be scary all year. This is a team that I think if you're looking for sleepers who might make a real deep run in the playoffs if things click the right way, I think the Houston Texans are that team. Bill, how do you feel about that? If they if Deshaun Watson's the quarterback, I think their upside with Savage is limited. And if you look at the Houston Texans, they they make their playoff regular, but they do it with a Brock Osweiler or a Brian Hoyer or a TJ Yates, I mean, or a Matt Schaub. They've never had a Again, the franchise quarterback kind of starting for him. So if Deshaun Watson's that guy, I really like him, by the way, best best college football quarterback the last two years, um, then, yeah, because you're right about that defense. Clowney's finally starting to come on. You know, you get Watt back. You've got good pieces in the secondary. They've got all the talent in the world. They got to the division playoffs last year. Then, yeah, they could be that team. So I think Tennessee-Houston could be a, potentially a lot of fun, and obviously there's some – residuals there from from Houston's move once upon a time so I feel like this conversation's kind of full circle but yeah I, I really like the Texan stock for sure we're going to step aside and we shall return soon with more of the Sunshine Boys right here on SB Nation Radio powered 
by Amazon. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Amazon Prime Channels and HBO Now. Are you a fan of Game of Thrones? I know I am. How about Ballers with Dwayne Rock Johnson? That's an outstanding show. This week with John Oliver. Maybe it's HBO's fine boxing series or the outstanding movies that they have. Look, HBO has set the standard for quality television programming for years. We have HBO Now, which is part of a great lineup of Amazon Prime video channels, which gives you HBO at a reduced price, even cheaper than a standalone subscription. That's right. We can get you HBO Now cheaper than you can get it in a standalone subscription. Look, you can take HBO Now with you anywhere. You can see all that outstanding programming when you want to see it, where you want to see it. Watch it on your phone. Watch it on your tablet, your laptop, or any streaming video device. Hey, look, if you're not sure that you, you know, want to subscribe to HBO Now, the best streaming video service that money can buy, hey, look, we're going to give you a chance to check it out for free. That's right, free. For one week, you can watch all the quality series and movies on HBO Now for free. All you have to do is check it out on HBO, on Amazon Prime channels. Just click the link in our description box and start watching HBO Now anywhere for seven days for free. And we guarantee you're going to come back and you're going to take advantage of that Amazon Prime channels discount for HBO Now. Welcome back to this edition of the Sunshine Boys on SB Nation Radio, powered by Amazon. Uh, Bill, uh, prior to um, uh, our little meeting before the show, you're talking, giving us some teasers on some things that you've got out there on college football. One in particular, why don't you uh, share with the class on that? Yeah, you know, um, we were kind of, I was, I do a lot of radio hits and I enjoy it so much because you get different perspectives. But uh, so a couple have been asking me, you know, how many teams can actually win the national championship? So, I went through all the conferences, and I came up with a list of 10. You know, I kind of a process of elimination. And there were some tough cuts, but I think the number's to 10, and if we were really getting picky, we could probably trim that down to seven. So here, I'll just run it by you guys, and, and you can tell me who's eliminated. I went through all the conferences. I said in the SEC, I said Auburn and Alabama. In the ACC, I said Florida State and Clemson. Big 10, I went with the three Big 10 East powers, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Pac-12, I said Washington, USC. and the Big 12, I said Oklahoma. And I said, that's it. One of those 10 teams will hold up the national championship trophy. I think it's a little exclusive, but um, I just can't see anybody else doing it. Well, go ahead. Where are the USF Bulls, uh, gentlemen? Uh, conspicuously absent. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Bill. Uh, but they, they, uh, they're coming around, right, Bill? I mean, uh, nationally. Yeah, I mean, they're the group of five team that I'm watching. Um, obviously, this is somewhat ironic that in a lot of those top 25 lists, Texas and South Florida are in the same neighborhood. And I think Charlie Strong's going to do a fantastic job there. You've got a guy in Quentin Flowers that, that put up numbers that were comparable to Lamar Jackson last year. So with that in mind, yeah, I think, you know, Florida's interesting, the state in general, because it's not – from a national perspective, it's not just Florida State, Miami, Florida right now. It's you have South Florida. You have a good story. Obviously, Lane Kiffin makes a headline every other second. And then uh, 
you know, Central Florida is interesting too because I think Scott Frost, Nebraska fans, are watching his uh, his career path with great interest. And then you even have Butch Davis. So if I'm a high school kid in Florida, it's a great time to be alive because you have several good options, several good coaches. You're not getting out of the state alive, yes. Go ahead, Joe. You were going to say something. Well, I was just going to. I was just going to say uh, on uh, as far as uh, University of South Florida. Just yesterday, the they unveiled very preliminary but uh, somewhat detailed plans to uh, build an on-campus stadium, and uh, the mock-up looked uh, looked fabulous. Uh, it's a, it would be about a two hundred million dollar project. They uh, it's probably a good four to five years away from fruition. But what's interesting about that is uh, they've talked for years about having an on-campus facility. The, the Bulls play at Raymond James Stadium, and I think that's hurt their crowds. But uh, when Charlie Strong, in his initial news conference, when he came to South Florida, he just very casually, uh, in response to a question, said, oh, yeah, we're, we're getting an on-campus stadium. Uh, that, that's going to happen. And everybody's jaw dropped like, oh, really? You know, we didn't know that. Uh, so it makes you, I mean, it's not hard to connect the dots that when uh, when Charlie Strong came to USF, that, that the stadium was part of the deal. And I think uh, that bodes well for him staying at USF for the long haul. Because to me, if they get a really nice on-campus stadium, which uh, it appears that uh, they're they're going to do then the next round of of conference realignment i got to believe that uh, usf would be right at the head of the class you know i don't see that there's going to be any conference realignment anytime soon bill do you um what do you think on that situation well i think the big 12 is still worth watching i think the long-term health of college football i mean it, it, mm-hmm. i don't there won't be anything significant till 2025 that's right, the new the, TV uh, contracts are up. Right, and that's why I'm watching the health of the Big 12, and I say that in terms of, you know, we've talked about this super conference model before, and the Big 12 hasn't made the playoffs a few of these two of the last three years. I mean, they had a team win all of their conference games last year in Oklahoma and not make the playoffs. They're mm-hmm. adding a conference championship. They put schools like South Florida through the – what the expansion beauty pageant then said no that was kind of cold and then um you know we see where they go from there but i think you know getting that new stadium to your point is some of these group of five schools are, are you know making their play to to show that they're capable of playing in that power five because the gap's only growing guys that's the depressing thing is like i said the stat last year alabama michigan florida ohio state and clemson have had 80 players drafted in the last two years. That's basically almost two NFL teams. And the, I mean, the gap between the power five is not only growing with the group of five, there are gaps growing between power five schools as well. Well, I tell you what, I think to your point that if you uh, take a look and see what Mike Oresco has done with the American and what's going on at the big 12, I'm not so sure that the American is in a better conference than the big 12. It might be. I mean, the, the here's the thing, though. Okay, you've got the, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think the football's very good in the American right mm-hmm. now with uh, schools like South Florida, Navy, Memphis, etc. You've got to pay to keep the coaches. You can't let Justin Fuente go to VTech. You can't mm-hmm. let Tom Herman go to 
well, Texas had been hard to turn down. But you know what I mean? Like, if, sure. you can, if you can keep Charlie Strong in the American, then yeah. If you can, let's say Luke Fickle's a hit at Cincinnati, which I think he'll be, by the way, keep him at Cincinnati. You've got to have competitive coaching salaries because I think the Americans lost five pretty good coaches in the last two years to Power Five programs. I mean, Taggart and Matt Rule also. So, but, but yeah, I mean, conference depth-wise, if they did a Big 12 versus American, like, challenge, mm-hmm. it'd be close. If you take top 10 versus top 10, I'd bet it'd be 6-4 either way. Yeah. Well, the problem with that, though, Jim and, and everybody, is that, you know, the uh, the Big 12 has big-name state schools, right. and, and the American doesn't. And with those state schools – that doesn't mean that that South Florida couldn't line up and and be very competitive in in the Big 12. I think they would be, but South Florida, unfortunately uh, for them, does not carry the cachet of you know uh, obviously of an Oklahoma or Texas. Um, but even some of the some of the bigger name schools uh, in the Big 12 and and the other conferences, obviously. So. That's an that's an obstacle that that is hard to overcome because uh, you're talking schools uh, with deep deep tradition and you know decades of uh, upon decades of alumni and and graduates. University of South Florida is still a basically a very young university. It was I think it was first opened in in 1957. 56. And 56. I was close. Yeah. And uh, and the football program is 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 twenty years old, so um, they got some ground to make up. I will say one quick thing, and that is Charlie uh, Strong is fifty-seven. If he fills out his contract, there's no reason to believe he won't. He's in that sixty-year-old range, and there's no way in hell he's going to get a major job at sixty. And who who's to say he really wants one at this point after the after the no, experience? No, I'm just saying, you know, yeah, this could be this could be his uh, final chapter pages. Could be, and I mean that in a good way. I don't mean that in a you know uh, absolutely. So it you could know, be. I, Go ahead, Tim. I have a question for for Bill. We've been talking about the Power Five conferences. You mentioned there's a gap even within the conferences between the haves and the have-nots, if you will. And then beyond the Power Five conferences, there's you know not a whole lot out there. So you take that and you take that you mentioned there are 10 teams that you could potentially see winning the national championship. Now, there are obviously some other trophies to be handed out that schools would be very happy with that aren't the national championship, for example, you know, various bowls. But does this is it starting to become a situation where we need another division for division one? So we have the the football the bowl subdivision and the championship subdivision. Do we now need a third subdivision? Because it seems like a lot of these teams are playing for moral victories at best. Oh, I'm, uh, I wrote about this a few years ago for us with the, uh, the group of five and, and full disclosure. I mean, I'm a graduate of a mid American conference school, went to Ohio university, um, you know, and I've watched, I've watched them as a fan, but the end game is, 
you know, granted they haven't won a max championship since 1968, but I mean, you look at it from Western Michigan's lens last year, you just went undefeated. You did everything you could possibly do. And you went to the cotton bowl. I think in the current environment, it's next. It's not impossible, but it's next to impossible for a group of five school to get in the playoff because I think you'd have to minimum requirement as you go into undefeated two straight seasons, and then we go from there. But um, you know, if they split up and did a group of five championship as well, and it was the end of the year, you had a South Florida, App State, Toledo, Boise State playoff. I think it'd be entertaining. To a point, I would watch it. I certainly would. I mean, I watch the Division Three and Division Two title games and FCS title games and all those kind of things. So, but I don't know that the Group of Five schools actually want that. I think they still want to sell the illusion of, you know, playing a big time opponent and playing and bringing in that money that comes from the paychecks of going to Alabama and Auburn and those kind of places. So I get the debate on both sides, but from a competitive standpoint, I mean, I, I think it's best not to you know, have any illusions of other than anything other than a, what, New Year's Day six bull bid. That's a great hey, uh, Jim, point. And, 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 and I, would, I would go one step further uh, on that in that, you know, um, the, like the American already has that with their conference championship game. And I, I really do think that those factor in for those, uh, those group of five schools. If you can win your conference, through most of them are, are two divisions down, they would have their playoffs. You win that, that's a big deal. South Florida's never won a, a conference championship in football, and if they could do that and end up in a New Year's Day bowl, I think uh, USF fans would take that and run to the bank right now. Sorry, Ira, didn't mean to talk yeah. over you. Go ahead, Ira. Right. Uh, just had a question for uh, for our guest. Uh, hey, buddy, can you can you talk a little bit about uh, Southern Cal? Uh, can they get back to where uh, their fans expect them to be, Bill? And uh, is all the hype justified uh, about the the freshman quarterback who the Jets look like they're pining for, and uh, <laughs> and he's threatening to come back uh, in year two already? Um, is this kid going to live up to expectations, Bill? Jets, Browns, whoever. I, I think so. I think when USC is up, that it moves the needle out west and it moves the needle everywhere else. Um, you know, you got evidence of that in the Rose Bowl game, which was one of the best bowl games I've ever seen. And I think Sam Darnold moves that needle and has them pointed in the right direction. And it would be good. I mean, think about the reversal of fortune they had. I mean, they lose. I was at the Alabama game last year. They they're the worst loss in school history in 50 years. And uh, they were able to turn it around with Darnold and become a, one of the hottest teams in the country. I think the thing I'm watching with them, though, real closely is the offensive line. They were beat up in the spring, um, barely had a spring game because of it, and they got to protect them. So they've got the playmakers, they've got the defense, and I think, that, quite honestly, they've got the path to the playoff. I mean, they played Texas early. That'll be fun. But I, the Trojans are for real. I mean, at Sporting News, we picked them to, to make the playoff. Um, Darnold's got going to have a chance at the Heisman. And as you guys know, whether it's Carson Palmer or Matt Leinart or whoever, that's a glamour position in college football. And I think he fills that glamour position very well. All from Matter Day High School in the greater Los Angeles area. So not a bad place to – you know, that's where the, most of USC's quarterbacks tend to come from. Um, 
that little Catholic school out there. Um, you know, one quick note back to what we were talking about before. The original, there was originally a proposal put forward whereby the American and the Mountain West champions would play each other, and the winner of that game would be potentially uh, capable of being involved in the in what now we know is the Power Five, but that would be the Power Five plus one, so to speak. Well, I'd watch, <laughs> that's for sure. But uh, I don't know, man. That that would seem to put an extra burden on the uh, on the on the players because you're you're adding, in essence, uh, an extra high stakes game, uh, and and that's one of the you know the big issues right now is is how much is too much uh, for college football players. Uh, we already know it's basically a business anyway, and uh, so now you're you're you know you would take these two uh, you know high profile teams and say all right well you're going to play another game the winner gets to go to the New Year's Day bowl loser goes to another bowl you know mm -hmm. so yeah I'm not I'm not so sure that's a great idea. It's probably why it wasn't picked up. Probably, but uh, just saying. Um... Tell you what, boys. Let's uh, let's get ready for the last call, and um, Tim will pick you up on the on the last call. Well, that's a good place to start. Joe mentioned that college sports are a business, and he's absolutely right. And there's no case that demonstrates that better than Donald De La Hay, who has been basically run out of the University of Central Florida. He can no longer kick. He no longer has a scholarship. To UCF because he made a few YouTube videos and those YouTube videos after enough views will pay you some advertising revenue and that was just something that the NCAA could not abide so they demanded he stop he said no so they kicked him out of college football I I think when we talk about the draft and we talk about the guys like Sam Darnold who are basically just biding their time until they can get into the NFL draft. College football is the NFL's minor league, except in the other minor leagues, you actually get paid to do what you do. And you can say, yes, the scholarships do count as money, but when you don't leave with a degree and you're an in-state student, that for UCF is less than $44,000 over the course of the two years he was playing for their football team. That's the equivalent of what he made. That's two years. So I, I think it's a real bad look for the NCAA. It raises some questions they absolutely do not want to talk about, but they need to be asked and they need to be asked pretty loudly at this point because Sooner or later, it's going to come crashing down on college football if they don't do something. And I think we all love college football too much to want that to happen. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Wright Sports. Now to something presumably happier about sports. On to Eric Hoffman, speaking of happy about sports. <laughs> you can get me on Twitter at, uh, at uh, iKaufman76. Uh, and the NFL season uh, is upon us. Uh, so many fans have been waiting uh, since the Super Bowl uh, for this moment. 
Uh, granted, it's only exhibition football, but I'm going to say right now that the 2017 season is, is all about New England. That's what it's about. It's about Brady. It's about Belichick. You can't get away from these guys. Who's going to challenge them? Who's going to beat them? Who can avoid playing the AFC title game in, in Foxborough? Uh, guys, we're, we're in the midst of, of greatness. And sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you don't, you don't even realize it. But um, I'm telling you, future generations of pro football fans are going to look back at what has happened in Tim uh, Williams' beloved New England and say, how the heck could you be that great for that long in an era of free agency? Uh, what, a, what a story is playing out in New England and showing no signs of abatement. None. Not at this point. Mr. Henderson. Well, you can find me on Twitter at J Henderson Tampa. And um, I'll just add a little bit to Tim's point about the situation at UCF um, and the outrage toward the NCAA on, on that. Uh, you had Marco Rubio uh, actually tweeting after that decision was made, U.S. Senator Marco Rubio tweeting that uh, the NCAA um, was essentially was was power mad and uh, and really had uh, had overstepped their bounds here so I gotta wonder if if, if the house um, isn't eventually going to collapse on itself too but uh, watching this year along with the New England Patriots like everybody else and appreciating their uh, march toward immortality is the concussion story isn't going away guys it's just not and i think the the pressure uh to be uh to to on the nfl to be even more cautious is going to do nothing but increase and it's uh, it 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 kind of i'll admit at times i feel almost a, a tidge guilty and at liking football as much as I do. Um, probably not guilty enough to stop watching, frankly, but uh, it does give you pause. And, uh, you know, especially for for guys who have played all through high school and college and now they're veterans in the NFL, uh, they need to be concerned about this because this is real. Absolutely. Mr. Bill Bender, the wonderful national writer for sporting news your final thoughts on your social media please and where we can tell us where every place we can read bill bender yeah i'm at bill bender 92 you can find us at sportingnews.com and on facebook as well at sporting news and um kind of building on the points made there i mean it's not just chasing new england i think in college it's chasing alabama you know that there's never really been a a decade decade quite like this and i know they lost the championship game but they're right back in the number one spot Nick Saban's got a ton of talent they've got I mean their backfield depth between uh two two young quarterbacks and just the stable of running backs it's real and the reason I'm excited to get this season going is I mean there's a chance I think it'll be one three but there's a chance we could get a game of the century in Atlanta between them and Florida State where the stakes are going to be high it's opening weekend you got Saban versus Fisher and, uh, you know, an NFL roster on the field, essentially, between the two teams. So 
I mean, it gets me fired up, and it's not just it's chasing New England in the uh, NFL, it's chasing Alabama in the uh, in the college ranks. And if I had it my way, you know, these dream matchups, I'm looking somehow if we can get there this year, if we could get a a Green Bay versus New England Super Bowl and finally get Rodgers versus Brady, and then um, you know, in college football, we picked USC versus Alabama. I'd be fine with that, but I think that kind of desirable matchup we're waiting on is will Alabama and Michigan ever cross paths between Saban and Harbaugh? Boy, that'd be a lot of fun. That brings to a close yet another edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. You know, if you're not subscribing to us, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, it's easily done. You can get us for free at the iTunes store. Also, Blog Talk Radio. You can go to Stitcher. We're right there with all the wonderful podcasts they have. And, of course, you can get us through Google Play. So no excuses now for signing up and subscribing to the Sunshine Boys podcast. Again, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Blog Talk Radio. Any one of those four places, you can get us, and we're coming to your phone every week, okay? So for Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson, the Sunshine Boys themselves, for Tim Williams in Boston, and for our special guest, Sporting News' national writer Bill Bender, who covers the NFL and college football. We thank you all very much and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.